Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara. I'm the host of the PauseCast. I'm also the author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break, as well as a private coach for men and women who are struggling with how to get out of overwhelm and reclaim their lives. The PauseCast is dedicated to helping individuals learn the tools and be more self-aware that we can all be more capable of to live our best life, to reach our potential. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular, I invite you to download my free gift to you, which is a blueprint called The Three Keys to Stay Out of Overwhelm and Thrive. The blueprint is available at my website, www.rachelomera.com. Get it today so you can start to implement these tools that we can all learn. And that's what the podcast is all about. Welcome to the PauseCast. I'm your host, Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause and a leadership coach. And I'm really excited today because I have a dear friend and special guest with us, Austin Hill Shaw. Hello, Austin. Good to see you. Hi, Rachel. Good to see you too. And let's help the audience know a little bit more about you, Austin. So you and I met maybe 10 years ago I want to say, I know actually where we were. We were in a Thai little hole in the wall restaurant after a Wisdom 2.0 day in San Francisco. Do you remember that? Yeah, I totally remember Like, that. hey, who are these people? Let's have dinner with no one other than these strangers. Yeah. <laughs> you were in the table. I was there. And so I learned about Austin that day. And, and, uh, and, and long story short, Austin is uh, a healer who works through architecture. He has a firm called Three Lights Design. He's based in the Bay Area, and he's written a book called On the Shoreline of Wonder. Did I get that right? The Shoreline of Wonder, I'm being the creative. Yeah. The shoreline of Wonder of Being Creative. And, uh, and Austin has done wonderful work and leads workshops and talks and, and a TEDx talk all really around the world of creativity. And the other thing I love about you, Austin, is you were in the book Pause. You were one of the Pause stories featured. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I, got, I got to learn a lot about you, your background and your, your time at a monastery in Spain and, and all of these neat things that you did, which led you to this path of architecture, but also in this world of uh, insights that you got in, in, in a path that I don't think is normally taken. So uh, it's wonderful to have you here. And we're going to get into more about, about that today with being creative and the power of pause, intentional shifts in behavior to get there. I think it'd be great if you let us in a pause. Would you be up for that? I'd, I'd love to lead you all in a pause. All right, let's take it away. Yeah, so um, I would like to lead you all in um, what is called uh, by uh, a teacher of mine, uh, George Gray Eagle Bertelstein who is a medicine man working out of Berkeley. Um, he's a, um, a pipe maker of Chinupas and um, part of the Lakota tradition, um, also brings in Andean medicine. And um, I'm a long time practicing what they call Vajrayana Buddhist. And so Buddhist, um, you know, meditation is principally kind of an I way of working with it. You're working with your internal experience, and pausing on that level, just in terms of, again, typically by watching your breath or some focal object, and then allowing um, 
really allowing to see the space between thoughts. Um, but what I learned from George was basically prayer, which sometimes at the, you know, and, and, you know, I really kind of thought, well, why would I do that if I'm a meditator? But I realized there's a quality of you. There's an asking the world. And, uh, you know, I believe we come from a, an amazingly intelligent universe. And so this quality of asking has a, has a vulnerability to it, which I think is really profound. And so, um, and this prayer is something that I do all the time. I do it in the morning. I do it in the evening. I uh, do it when I uh, come home from work to engage my partner and um, when I'm leaving for the day, just because it allows me to us to pause and not have to work with the clumsiness of language, whereby each one of us can offer a clear and simple prayer and basically um, reconnect by witnessing the other communicating with the intelligence that's out there. So here it goes, okay? Um, so first of all, I just want you all to uh, take a moment just to uh, think of all the things that bring you joy and make this life possible. You know, you can think of your family members, your friends. Uh, you may think of... Um, different archetypes or beings, gods or goddesses or avatars, whatever is meaningful to you, just thinking of that, your ancestors, just taking a moment again to think of all the kind of the unseen forces and seen forces there in your life that are meaningful to you. And now I just want you to take a moment to think of um, just a few of the things that you're grateful for. Like an easy one is thank you for my life. Yeah, we have all this, this gift of life. It's, it's really an incredibly precious thing um, for your health, for your home, for the work that you do in the world. And there's, as George would say, you know, if we, we couldn't spend days talking about gratitude, we, we have a problem because there's just so many things in place that allow us to do what we do. The next thing is, um, is just to say, what am I struggling with? You know, and, and being, you know, not only are we things we're grateful for, but there's challenges within our lives. And uh, just notice what some of those things are that might be, you know, being in the midst of a pandemic, perhaps it's isolation. Um, perhaps it's overwhelm. Perhaps it's, uh, it's um, a challenge that we have with a loved one or maybe a health issue. Just what's that thing that we're struggling with? All of us have struggles, it's part of life, but uh, just naming them what they are a little bit. And finally, just taking time to ask for help in the affirmative, say, hey, you know, I would like to be more happy, or I'd like to be more present. Um, I'd like to feel more spacious and free. I'd like to feel more connected with my friends and loved ones. 
just to take a moment to, again, ask this intelligent universe that is all around you, that is always and unceasingly supporting you, ask, ask it for what you need. And at the end, uh, at the end of this, they say, which just means all my relations. That's the way that it's closed formally with the Lakota. And that just means none of us ever do this thing on our own. So bless your life. I wanted to try it. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Oh, thank you so much for for sharing that prayer and guiding through that. So what are you for just being like grateful? What am I struggling with? And what am I at, and what can I for ask help. for in the yeah. affirm, in the affirmative? So it's almost like you're there, I think. Yeah. Ah. yeah, what are you grateful for? What are you struggling with? And asking for help. And I found that it not only works, it works really well with uh, yourself, but again, within your partnerships with people, with your coworkers, it's an incredible community builder because what it does is when people are praying and everybody's witnessing the prayer, it allows everybody to feel, it, it reconnects people. It just has this remarkable way because again, we're all grateful for things. We're all struggling with things and we all need help. And so um, I've just witnessed this over the years that just so many people, it's just immediately everybody's there. Yeah. What yeah. a powerful check-in. And so are you saying though, for example, in a, in a, in, in a business meeting or something like that, you would have people go around and say it out loud or would they just talk about it afterwards? Cause I think it could be a great, not just for ourselves, like you said, but this is a tool that could transform or help to change the dynamic that might need to be done or something in a theme or, or a community or something like that. Exactly. Like traditionally, you know, traditionally it's done where everybody, you're holding a pipe and you're passing it. Yeah. It represents, the bowl represents earth, the stem represents heaven. And you're just putting it to your, your you know, mm -hmm. you know, holding it like that but you're witnessing other people. That's the beauty of it. Sometimes when we're communicating, you know, we're just imagine a communication that you might have with your significant other. So often because we, you know, we typically polarize within a relationship that we're, you know, we're unknowingly and sometimes knowingly projecting onto the other person or evaluating or like there's a trigger point for us. And so, um, you know, uh, I think Harville Hendricks said it's like <laughs> communication is like one of the most dangerous things that we do in the world, right? It's just, uh, oh, yeah. it's challenging. And so what I found in terms of relationship, it's like, we're not talking to the other person. We're talking to something beyond that by which the other person gets to witness our heart and our vulnerability. And so, um, and, I, and I, I personally think that what we need in all situations, it's just more vulnerability. You know, as soon as we are able to, to mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, wow, I'm really happy about this part of my life and this part's really challenging for me right now and I could really use help with yeah. this. It's like suddenly we're not, we're not like, we're not over there and they're over there. We're just all together sharing in our, in our humanity. Yeah. And so it, it works in, in just, in, 
all sorts of settings. And who doesn't need more of that, especially these days? I yeah. Think. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, thank you for introducing this to everyone and me. And my challenge, I think, to, to, to all of us is taking this into our lives, right? So for mm-hmm. me, this is something I'm going to take as a challenge and, and actually use this with my partner and, and see where we go with it. And, and mm-hmm. I feel fear and that vulnerability, but I'm also like, wow, like, what would that look like? Because I am, I am curious and like, it, like it could be really cool. So powerful yeah. everywhere, any venue like that. You know that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bring this up just because it's in my awareness right now. The other thing that it works really well in is in intimacy. You know, the other thing that, you know, even though we all desire intimacy, you know, and it's just we're biologically programmed for it, there's all kinds of confusion around that as well. And so it found that by doing that clear and simple prayer before and after you engage in intimacy with your partner, you know, on that yeah. level, it, what it does remarkably is that it takes the pressure off of you. You know, what it does is it creates a sense of, you know, often, often these, these acts of intimacy are seen as a really private affair. But what you're doing is you're bringing in saying, hey, help us to do this in a good way. Help us to do this in a loving way. Help us to do this in a present way. You know, or like, oh, I have a struggle of a performance anxiety, or I'm just, all these different things that come up, suddenly you feel held, which is, you know, it seems sort of paradoxical. It's like, well, do you actually, mm-hmm. it's intimacy. Shouldn't it be privacy? It's like, no. There's something in there that's actually, um, it's 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 it it really makes it magical in some ways. Yeah, and well, it creates an intimacy, even even just that uh, understanding of here's what I can share. To me, that's what I would call emotional intimacy, and mm-hmm. and, just, and and whether it's with myself, even owning this. If I, when I was saying the struggles, I was thinking about it like, well, if I'm actually struggling, that must mean I'm owning it. If I'm if I'm saying this out loud, and which is actually validating and acknowledging and really intimate because you're just at another level with your depth of of truth and being authentic and I think that's a lot about what you stand for with your work right it's like how do you align with whatever it is and within the scope of maybe you're building you're creating something whether it's an actual physical building or a container for a, a a meeting that can help to change change the future and the forward thinking of of whatever the environment is in that moment. That's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what your work is. Cause I, I know what I've always found fascinating about you, Austin, is you have such a, a, a discipline. So architecture, right? It's like math meets science meets angles and, and, and design and, and, and really it's the baseline of everything I think you stand for and, and work with, which is how to, how to draw out the human emergence within all of that. I think that's just so cool. So tell us a little bit about the world of, of those that work for you. Like, how did this all happen? Create this for you? Yeah, you know, I think one of it has to do with just like, I'm a, first of all, I'm a spatial thinker, you know, in, in, in undergrad. The same as a visual, visual thinker? Kind of exactly. I mean, there's similarities, and I mean, could there's a Johnson O'Connor Foundation, this whole aptitude thing. They might say like there's de- there's memory for design, but then there's 3D thinking. They have all these different sorts of ways of looking at memory and aptitudes on that level. But basically, I just think of myself as a spatial thinker. Like for example, you know, I don't remember words as much. I don't remember numbers as much. I do remember sounds, but for me, if you give me a space 
and I walk through it, I just remember it. And so when I'm thinking about things in my own mind, I'm constantly like moving through spaces in my mind in order to organize information. And so, um, for example, when I was an undergraduate, I studied what was called geomorphology, which is the evolution of landforms. You know, just was it's like looking at how landforms form over time. Um, and um, I worked for an artist for a while after undergraduate, just making making clothing and doing those sorts of things. And I also went into engineering for a little bit and realized uh, I wasn't particularly good at it, but I valued the problem solving, you know, vis-a-vis -vis being an artist. And what I love about architecture is, is that it's just this confluence of all these different disciplines, you know, and I will say, in, you know, anybody who's in design will say, yeah, there's things that you excel at and things that you don't necessarily in there. But that's the fun thing is you get to work with other people and figure out how you fit into the makeup and how you can really serve other people. So, um, you know, um, in being in architecture, you know, it's, it's one of these things that has a tremendous impact on the world, um, both positive and negative, something like 40% plus of all energy in the world goes into the building and yeah. maintenance and heating and cooling of buildings. So it's a huge thing on that level. Um, and, uh, and it's also, of course, we are creatures that live in homes. And so we depend upon architecture in order for us to, for our basic survival. Um, and yet one of the things that I think is, is that, that has become missing in the West is really the sense of what are the beliefs and values that we have internally? You know, what are our most cherished mm -hmm. things and how can we actually infuse that into the architectural process, into the design process? And a lot of architects and designers out there, they make assumptions about what their users need, want or need. You know, they, they don't act, but, but for us, and because of my own love of, 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 of people is, is that I take everybody through an extensive interview process, which we call the full spectrum client intake. And the whole goal of that is so that I can start to see the project through their eyes. Um, not only that, when we're working with couples, I insist that we basically interview the husband and the wife or the, you know, however they're paired separately so that they can fully express what they would do to me without having to compromise their answers for their partner. And what that allows is there to be two documents. You know, we basically, we record them, we transcribe them. And then as opposed to saying, here's what I would do and get into the, again, all the confusion of language. It's like, here's, here's how I see it, right? Here's how I see it. And then within that, we start to, you know, we start to um, work from basically saying, here's where you agree on things. Here's where you have differences. And the differences is that, you know, usually if, they're, if you look at differences in a loving way, those differences and those polarities often yield results in the middle that were just totally unexpected. And so that's part of the space there is just like holding the space of possibility so th that people can play things out. Mm -hmm. so it is this, this really interesting confluence of all these different things that are, you know, going on. Is it, and, but we kind of, I break it down to three things. It's like, is it beautiful? Does it function for the people who are there? Those are the two kind of main ways that people think about architecture. But the third that we're trying to bring back again, by building these really strong relationships with the people we're designing for is intention. Like are the values of this person 
or this couple or this family or this organization being infused into the project itself. So it's, it's not just, and that's the other thing that I think is so key right now is, is that we're in an era where the material has to be infused with the spiritual. It has to be. You what know? happens if it like, yeah, tell us a little bit about that because I think that's, that's new, right? As a more, it's getting more, I would say, uh, traction as a concept. Because it's well, been around it, for a long time with maybe ancestral tribes and mm-hmm. those who've honored the spiritual with, with the construction. But tell me a little bit about, you know, why, you know, what is that for now? Yeah, knowing this is really going to need it to be critical going forward. Because I find that fascinating and I totally agree but I don't feel like it's really a known thing. Exactly. So it seems like a new thing or like an innovative thing, but actually it's a really old thing. Like a friend of mine liked to say, we're on the cutting edge of 10,000 year old. <laughs> you know, we are so on the cutting edge of 10,000 years. Exactly. So it's not, this is nothing new. And, and some, and, and, you know, it's, it's really, it's been lost a little probably in like the last 150, 150 mm-hmm. years. But really, if you look at the way people typically used to build, you know, we, right now we live in a multinational, diverse, you know, we're, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. It's just like people from all different walks of life, which I love, love, love. But what, you know, what becomes the unifying force within that is just the economy, you know? So the goal here is actually how do we personalize things beyond just, just the, the economy? Because the economy, even though it's important, it's not what drives us. It not, it's not where necessarily... Um, where our hearts are. And so the ideal is the idea around this is basically ritualizing the process. And when I say um, ritualizing the process, it means it's like, first of all, we're, 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 we're building rapport through the interview process. The other thing I should mention is not only am I interviewing the people, but I'm sharing about my own life intentionally. And I'm not saying like, I'm the greatest designer ever in the world. I'm talking about my <laughs> right. struggles too. I'm humanizing myself because I want, I want the people to feel like they have agency within the design process too, that they actually don't need to have a professional degree to say, I like this and I don't like that, right? And to be able to contribute to the, the, the realization of their home or business. So that's one part of it is just building that rapport at first. But then we do, we do, we do it in an intention setting and, um, exercise. And it always just depends on who the client is. Like some people, you know, are like, yeah, let's full on ritual here. And some people are like, I don't feel, you know, super comfortable about it. But we, we basically mark a point in time by which we're saying, okay, we're now going to begin the project. And we actually, sometimes I'll use tobacco. Sometimes I'll have a pipe. Sometimes we'll just hold hands. It just depends on who the person is, but we set an intention. We, we use that same format of the clear and simple prayer yeah. so that we can all humanize one another, you know? And this, and be, yeah. Yeah. And this could be, for example, a, like a new office building that you're making or creating, right? Like it, it can exactly. be anything. It can be anything. But the, the, the goal is, again, is to, so how to say, intentions are hard to see right? It's yeah. easy to see what's kind of beautiful and goes together. You can evaluate that. And also you can see the functional aspects. Is this building working? Does it leak? Is it, is it efficient? All those sorts of things are easier to, to measure or evaluate. But again, that's why this third element of intention, like why are we even doing this project in the first place is so important. Yeah. For example, 
sometimes you'll find people, you know, who have a fair amount of like disposable income and they'll come to me and say, Hey, I want to redo my kitchen. I'm like, well, why do you want to do that? It's your, your kitchen seems perfectly fine. It's like, well, I just, you know, feel like it's out of date or whatever. And if I go into the interview process, I realize sometimes I'll realize there's some really, there's things that are going on in their lives that are really challenging for them. And at that point, I might say, I wouldn't do this kitchen design project here because it's not going to solve the thing that's, that's going on for you right now. That it's an internal thing, right? And your kitchen remodel is going to be a distraction and you're going to take, spend a lot of money. You're going to spend a lot of time. You're going to use a lot of the world's valuable resources and you're going to still be unhappy. Yeah. I wish, I wish everyone would have to go through that type of evaluation for anything. And then we'd all save a lot of our money and time. Exactly. But then there's other people, there's other people that it's like, you're listening to what they're saying and they're like, oh, I see how this project is actually going to be a way by which you can transform things. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, to to me, those are the most exciting projects is like, where there's a person that's like, I want to go from this place and, and, and I'm going through this transition. Let's work on our internal landscape while we're working on your external, you know, remodel or whatever it is, or building. And so it's, it's just, it's trying to take a holistic approach so that we're not forgetting about that the most important aspect of this, which is the humans that are inside it. And beyond that, the human's connection to the environment around it. You know, that's the other thing about architecture projects is they all take place on land. So it's an opportunity, which is another 10,000 year old <laughs> cutting edge thing is it's like, we need to relate to the land. We need to ask permission. We need to love it up. We need to be yeah. in relationship to it. So, so yeah. yeah, I love that. And so what are some things that I'll, like, I'm wondering what I could do? Let's say I'm thinking about buying, like I'm personally thinking about buying a home yeah. and maybe it's remodeling a, a room in there or just in my regular house or buy, even like buying a, a, a vehicle could be that, but what are questions that I'd want to ask myself so I could be in that line of, of, of intention as well as relating to what, what I know potentially would, would help me with feeling good about this. And it would help me change or transform versus like, maybe not even do anything. Yeah, I think so. Um, the most important, so often when people go out and look and they're thinking about house, of course, the first place they go is online because there's just so many different images out there. And, uh, and I think that, you know, it's an amazing tool at some point, but not in the beginning, because there's so mm-hmm. like, again, these images can be like, flashy and sexy and amazing and it's like wow but it may not necessarily be where for you coming from so if you have an inkling to do something either buy a home or remodel or work on your business it's like the first thing to do is is, is to go in as best you can and um and 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 looking to basically discover your your beliefs and values and um there's lots of different methodologies for out going out there you know books on finding your purpose um, uh, understanding of missions. Um, there's lots mm-hmm. of different, again, just trying to understand and getting a basic sense of like what you really need. Right. And, uh, sometimes it's actually interviewing your friends and saying, Hey, what, what do you think are my good points? What are my challenging points? You know, what can you count on me for all those different things where you're getting perspective on that. And really, um, that's kind of my job when I'm working with a client is basically asking all these questions so they can start to see the things that they often overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But once you have a sense of, again, how you use a space and what you really like to do, I like to entertain or I like when you hermit, all those different things, and what your beliefs and values are. Oh, I'm, I love family or I love, uh, I, I'm just, um, you know, I love philosophy. You know, I need a place for my books. The, whatever that thing is, those are the things that start to, to, to allow you to start to go out and say like, okay, this is matching my values versus, you know, just being like, oh, that's a, that's a beautiful image. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's great food for thought, I think, as we're looking to, I, I know we're, we're both right now in the world of the, the pandemic. And, and uh, I think we're, everyone is kind of, it's conjuring up a whole bunch of questions for people, um, mm -hmm. myself included. And and maybe you too, where it's like, like, is this, do I want to keep living in this particular way or in these places or with this person or what else is missing or what is, what is too much? Like, I feel like it's really caused a lot of that introspection you're sharing mm -hmm. and, and it, for better or for worse. And it's, it's just um, a thought provoker. So I see that this has been almost an uh, in, uh, initiator for those types of questions too, or if you want it to be. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And those, and again, I think that, I mean, I know, know your work, Rachel, I know my work, I mean, going, it's like, you have so much agency inside, you have almost no agency outside yourself. So going in to explore who you are with whatever method you're doing that with is like, probably the most profound thing you'll do. Because again, you have agency here. It's like the Mary Oliver poem said something like, yeah. determined to do the only thing I could do determined to save the only life I could save. It's like when we work on ourselves, it's we're, we're, we're doing inestimable value for the world. And so, and, and the pandemic, the beauty of it is, is we're all having to reflect, you know, for better yeah. or worse, we're all having to reflect in a very transitional time. And that can be scary, but that's where things like, you know, meditation, the clear and simple prayer, um, exercise, you know, watching and reading things that inspire you you know, taking a break from the news. Um, those are all here, ways. Here. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. These are yeah. all really good. I think uh, I would call those daily pauses, right? So exactly. these are intentional place, uh, intentional changes in behavior that we, we can do to initiate a new way of being or thinking or doing that I think is in service to our, our highest good, which I think helps us feel a little more calm, a little more restorative and not as not that's the stress balls that we can end up being sometimes if we're not careful. So Definitely. is there anything else, Austin, that you would want us to know about the, the, the world of really just, you know, being creative and, and designing what works for us as, as individuals and in, in the world and all of the, the great things that you're doing? Yeah, I do think so. I, I would say the, probably the most important thing to, to do is to have a sense of daily, weekly, monthly, seasonally, and yearly practice, what that looks like. And just in, you know, to be really, you know, um, uh, you know, different models that are already out there. For example, the Muslim call to prayer. You know, you don't have to be Muslim to realize the value of people taking pauses five times a day at dawn, at yeah. noon, in the middle of the afternoon, in the evening and before bed, all of which are transition times. If you set your alarm clock for that time, it's like, boom, you're in good shape. You know, having a weekly meeting with your significant other, 
or uh, with a group of friends so that you can, you know, this human psyche is fragile. So when you can share your vulnerabilities with one another, you know, minimum once a week, hugely impactful. Then some sort of ceremony or ritual once a month, you know, I, I think that that also is something can be incorporated in there. Um, you know, doing a day long or something, or go sitting with a healer. It could be a hike once a could month. Be a, could be a hike, outside. exactly. And then seasonally, since there's these transitions of, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall, acknowledging the changes in there. And then yearly, I mean, you know, for me personally, I go and do a retreat with my best friend from birth. We go up to the high Sierras. We're in there for six nights. We don't see anybody. We have no attachment to the phones or anything like that. And we just commune with nature and we just talk about our lives and meditate and practice and, and do ritual up there. So pu putting pauses in your life in a way that matches the cycles of the world, you know, I think that that is a way by which you, you know, you're going to do what you do way better because you will feel that sense of wholeness within you. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great to think of it like that in these different stages, but how they can help each other and serve you as our world does require that, I think, more and more. For sure. it, it, exactly. It requires it. I mean, we're all having to step up the plate. I mean, we it's do. like it, it, if you don't do it, you, you, you risk feeling bowled over, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, overwhelmed by fear. And there's just a lot of transition. So it, it is important for us to care for ourselves first. And then be able to care for, so that we can care for one another. You know, it's, it's yeah. just hugely important. I know. And it's so easy to forget that as I think was just going along in our, our day to day without even blinking. It's like, next thing you know, mm -hmm. wait, what happened? Oh, I want to care. I want to eat today or I need to drink water. <laughs> like we're going back to basics a lot even there too. Yeah. 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 So Austin, where can people find more out about you and if there's any, any other things you'd like to share in terms of like what people can find, I know you've got a quiz out there being creative. Yeah. Yeah. So they can go to, uh, so one of the things you can go to, my name is Austin Hill Shaw, uh, just kind of how it spells. A -U -S -T I'll put it in the show notes too. That's perfect. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's all lots of things on creativity there. I, I love creativity because I see it as the defining trait of being human. And, uh, you know, when we, you can activate your creativity in any profession you're in. You know, it's just a matter of the way you see things. And then if you want to check out design things, we're at Three Lights Design, which is basically, again, it's, uh, it's, um, it's uh, healing through the medium of architecture. It's really trying to, again, kind of close this rift between what we design and why we're designing it, you know, and bringing that together. So that's not only in service of human beings, but it's also in service of human beings' relationship and dependence upon the natural world and the cosmos. So, yeah. Which we all need, all of us, more and more of all the time. I know I we do. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Thank you, Austin, for, so, for everything here. It was great to have you on today. Oh, so good to see you. And I'm just so, so excited for all the developments in your life too, Rachel. It's mm -hmm. always, always good to see you again. Ziva Meditation is our sponsor for this PauseCast episode. My meditation teacher and author, Emily Fletcher, created the Ziva Meditation Self-Care Center. It's full of powerful tools to help you go from worrier to warrior. It's a great way to get started and get to know how meditation can serve you. 
Her 15-day course, Ziva Online, is something you may want to look into at some point in what I've also taken. Inside the Ziva Self-Care Center are literally thousands of resources for you, including visualization, weekly recordings of her calls, global meditations, body work, guest experts, and tools for kids and parents. And the best part is it's all free. To get started, head over to tinyurl.com slash pause slash Ziva Self-Care. That's tinyurl.com slash pause, P-A-U-S-E dash Ziva Self-Care. All one word, Ziva Self-Care. Thanks for listening today to the PauseCast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so that you don't miss a show. And if you haven't already, please rate us, leave your review. We would love to hear from you and help us get the word out. If you know of anyone who you think might benefit from the tools or discussions that you've found helpful, then invite them to join us. Share the podcast with those who you think might find this useful to become more self-aware. Remember, sharing is caring. I'll see you next time on the podcast.